0: welcome you to Doxodeo Hatfield, a multi-ethnic family on mission, passionate about Jesus, passionate about community, and passionate about serving the city of Chuanca.
1: Good morning. I wanted to say Dr. David Hatfield, but we have more than just our people here today. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us in our first ever Christmas service. And today is just a big time in our, in our church where we sit and remember the reason for the season. And a part of that is it's going to be in like liturgical form. So there's going to be some worship in between and some word in between, just an interlink of that. And I want to invite you, whatever you feel prompted to do in those moments of worship, whether you want to stand or sit, you're more invited to be just yourself in the presence of the Lord today. um, As we fellowship together. Amen. Can we worship together?
2: Sing, sing, sing.
3: going well on your side, friends and family joining us, it's so awesome to have you with us. It's our first ever in-person Christmas service as a church. How awesome is that? We've only been online thus far. Um, Why don't you grab a seat? As Manalisi said, today is going to be in the old church style, we call it liturgy, being led through just what the truth and grace of this moment is with us. It's really great to have you with us as a church. Can I just say, opening statement? It's really difficult to hate Christmas. Isn't that true? It's really difficult to hate Christmas. Why? The, the vibe, the atmosphere, the traditions, uh, the specials on take a lot during this time. It's really, really difficult to hate Christmas time. In fact, it's actually very easy to like Christmas. Everything about Christmas, the wholesomeness, the atmosphere, friends, family, depending on the kind of family you have, um, it's really, really nice to have this time. I think about some South African desserts. It's difficult to hate Christmas when malfa pudding is an option. Isn't it true? Like no no regrets during Christmas time. Some of you guys even like mince pies. Um, even less judgment from my side. Or so think about those moments, just finding a good friend or a family member to pull a cracker with and then being deeply disappointed with what you find in the inside. Um, if, you're, if you're less than, let's say, five years old, then it's not always what you were hoping for. It's also the time of the year where listening to Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You, that's like, again, 100% accepted. Any other time in the year it's really not what people want during this time. That and Josh Groban, you are 100% in the right kind of ballpark In fact, I would say it's really easy to like Christmas. The atmosphere, the wholesomeness. It just warms your heart. One or two stories people sent in, just to say that, you know, these moments at another time of the year, uh, it'd be difficult to swallow, but you just feel so warm inside. So people sent in stories to read a side just of just warm moments during the holidays. So Paulette Ryan, she said that um, her husband, they took their two boys, uh, six and four years old. So just giving context, like today, we have no kids ministry, it's a family service. You know, we've got three kids, so all the parents, you guys can just relax, guys. It's we come from a noisy, messy home. Today's going to be a noisy and messy service. That's exactly how we want it. So they said they'd take they take their two boys, uh, six and four, to this party. Where Santa Claus is going to be. He's gonna hand out presents, and the organizers' instructions were clear: you have to bring your own presents as the parents, and then smuggle it kind of in, and then you know, Santa Claus will give the presents to the kids. And so she says they take the two of them, and what she bought them was towels. So I guess that's already one thing, but at least they had their names on it. So, like personalized towels for the two boys. And as Santa Claus gives this towel to the one boy, uh, his name is and He opens it and he like with wide-eyed wonder, he tells his mom, This has to be. Santa Claus because how else would he know my name this like must be the real deal so that kind of thing any other time of the year you're like no that's stupid but during Christmas time that just it warms your heart yes kids believe even Santa Claus would give me a personalized towel I'm sure that's what you guys would want is personalized towels during Christmas Oh, how about this one from Jessica Robertson? She says, My six-year-old niece and her class, they were singing at a Christmas play for their school, Uh, Hark, the herald angels sing. And a couple of tricky parts in that song, the old English... And so that specific moment where it says, God and sinners reconciled, uh, all the kids were kind of just going silent during that part because they couldn't really figure out what the lyrics were saying there. And this one boy, like very loud, he just belted out with confidence. He says, God and sinners dressed in style. So he was confident in that moment. These are the kinds of things you feel like, man, you can't hate Christmas. It's so easy to like. It's war moments, happy moments, family moments stuffing yourself food babies over this time it's a really good time of the year and i want to say i want to take nothing away from that the breadth of christmas is so fun but maybe you want to ask us today is there more to it is there a depth that we could experience to christmas south africa all of us go through the season and the breadth is so easy to grab hold of the food and the wholesomeness and the family but could there be more could there be a depth to christmas And I think the only way for us to discover that depth of Christmas where you could even maybe today, whether you are Christian or not, you could feel something of just a tug, I believe, of God on your heart, on your soul. And I think the only way for us to do that would be to experience, not just here, but experience and re-maybe experience the significance of the birth of Jesus we believe. What's the significance of that? It can't just be a moment. It can't just be a holiday. There must be something more to it. And so we're gonna go to the book of Luke. And we've said often that Luke is, he was a doctor by trade, medical personnel. And uh, as is the case, they are usually people with an eye for detail. So he was an impeccable historian. Luke goes to the sources themselves, to the eyewitnesses, and he is trying to pass out this story, this historical moment in the life of Jesus And even though he's this very careful historian, he on purpose leaves out a whole bunch of typical Christmas things we find in like Matthew and all these other gospels. So, you know, things like the wise men and Herod and the slaughter of the innocents and and the family kind of fleeing out to Egypt. He leaves all of that stuff out because he says, I wanna focus on another angle. I wanna focus on this thing. Who were the eyewitnesses to the birth of Jesus? Who were the people that experienced the depth of what this meant? And it's through the eyes of these people that he says, I want to invite you in to maybe for yourself re-experience what the depth of Christmas is all about. And so in Luke 1 and 2, we see some of these eyewitnesses, Joseph, Mary, Simeon, Anna. And we're going to take just a couple of minutes and look at this one man, Simeon. And we meet this old man. Simeon, Jewish man, and he's a devoted, God-fearing, God-centered person. But we know almost nothing about him. It's like he steps onto the stage of history and steps off again for this one purpose. It's almost as if his life is not the center of the story. And what we learn in this text, we're going to read it now, is that it's revealed to Simeon that he will not die. He won't pass away until he sees the Messiah, the Savior, the one promised. And then when Jesus then is brought to the temple the age of eight days old, Simeon is moved by the Holy Spirit to also go there. So read with me, Luke 2, verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. And so guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms. He praised God and he said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. And his father, Mary and Joseph, they were amazed at what was being said about him. Isn't that powerful? See, Simeon did not have an intellectualized, philosophical faith, religiosity that he just, you know, kind of got from his parents. Just old rhythms of going to church trying to be a good person, but he experienced something so deeply profound in this moment of holding this tiny little frame. We've got a whole bunch of small little kiddies here today. Imagine eight days old, and he's holding this unimpressive little human frame, and something strikes him so deeply that his life is irrevocably changed. He experiences something of what we are celebrating thousands of years later. And I wanna maybe invite you today to say, I think three things that he experiences here. I want you maybe to experience again. Man, Christmas is easy to like. Who can hate Josh Groban? But maybe maybe there's a deeper depth for us here. And the first thing that he experiences, I think we need to experience. What he experienced, the text says is the tension once again that led up to the birth of Jesus. There was this immense tension, expectancy that had built up to the birth of Jesus. says in verse 31, you have, God, you have prepared. This moment is not chance. It's not just fable and myth. You have prepared historically this moment. God had been at work always with mankind. He had always had a purpose and a calling and a vocation with us. We see from the beginning, Adam and Eve in some way, they are this representative couple for all of us they are replaying the human story the human drama always and God says to them I will create you I will put you into this creation of mine this temple of mine as my image bearers those who are here to know me in relationship and represent me that you would care for and cultivate my creation you would create society and community you would live in relationship with me and you would represent me in this world but then, of course, we know that something goes awry in this. There's, there's brokenness, there's rebellion, there's sin, there's hopelessness. And something of that image, that calling of mankind is scarred. It's, it's twisted. And man is forever left in this place of seeking more, asking questions that almost never seem to fully resolve. And God says, I'm not going to abandon humanity i'm not going to abandon my image bearers and so we see him choosing first a couple who become a family who become a nation and it's always the same calling that i will bless the whole earth i will be with my people i will come and restore their calling their identity i will call them back to fellowship with me and so in abraham we see that genesis 12 god says to him yes i will make you a great nation yes i will bless you yes i will make your name great but you will be a blessing so all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you I'm not abandoning my people I'm going to work through their brokenness and I will still bless the whole earth eventually we see in the people of Israel this this couple this family becomes a nation and after 400 years of slavery they are freed from Egypt and God brings them to this mountain and he says to them you've seen what I've done to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you before myself and you will be my own possession you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. A priest is someone who speaks on behalf of God. And a holy nation means they were set apart to display something of who God is to those around them. God says, I won't abandon my people in spite of sin, brokenness, hopelessness. In spite of immaturity, I will redeem them, restore them. I will renew them because I will bring blessing through my people to the whole earth. It's almost as if this tension rises and rises and rises throughout the Old Testament. How will this happen? We just constantly see God being gracious, God the Creator giving, providing, being good, and the people, often as is the case with you and I, failing, faltering, deceiving, turning away, and God recommitting. And so for 400 years before the the birth of Christ even, we see the Old Testament coming to a close in this book of Malachi. And Malachi sees this moment where this promise that God has, all people will know Him, will be blessed by Him, will be brought back into fellowship with Him, will know their Creator, will know their purpose, their identity. But how will that happen? Up to this point, we've not seen that in fullness. And so the Old Testament ends with this promise in Malachi 4, where it says, but you will see the sun of righteousness rise with healing in its wings. It says, We live in darkness. But you will see the sun of righteousness rise and healing will come. And that's where it ends. That's where the Old Testament ends. You're like, what? Like we've been building up and building up and there's this tension. How will it happen? And it just leaves a thing. It just leaves a thing. And so many people of Israel, they just let go of that promise that one day maybe there would be this, this redemption, this restoration. Our, our weary hearts would find peace. How? I'm not sure, but it just leaves it there. But there were some people who held on to this promise. Even 400 years later, there were people holding on to this promise. Simeon was one of those people. I held on to the promises of God to us, to be with us, to restore us, to renew us, to make us His people. And it just leaves it. Cliffhanger ending. You guys know what a cliffhanger ending is? No one reads books anymore, so we'll stick to movies, but... Cliffhanger endings and movies like all three Lord of the Rings books and movies end with cliffhangers I remember that's like before everything got released in one go microwave style on Netflix You had to wait a year in between each of the Lord of the Rings movies You remember that during December time and then it ends on this massive cliffhanger and You're like how am I gonna wait another year to see how this resolves and the second one comes out and another cliffhanger Well, the Matrix, the Matrix ends with Neo like picking up the phone, telling, you know, the machines it's game on and he just flies away and you're like, what's, and it's like the credits. Are you serious? This is where it ends? Like what next? Or how about Inception? Finally, We see Leonardo DiCaprio reunited with his family. And one last time, he kind of spins this top to see, is he asleep? Is he in the real world? We don't know. And just as you're like, the thing is kind of wobbling. And it just cuts away. It's like, are you serious? Christopher Nolan, that's where you're going to leave us. Like now, no one will know. Cliffhanger ending. That's the Old Testament. The Old Testament ends with this promise, this, this, this yearning for healing, wholeness, God. And it just leaves it there. Let me leave you with the words by sandra richter the epic of eden she says as we open the bible we find that the god of history has chosen to reveal himself through a specific human culture god simply used this culture as a vehicle through which to communicate the central and eternal truths of his character and his will for humanity thus the bible is the epic story of god and humanity The prodigal son and the ever-gracious heavenly father. Humanity in their rebellion and God in his grace. This narrative begins with Eden and it does not conclude until the new creation is firmly in place. It's all one story. And if you're a believer, it's all your story. And this is where the tension leaves us. On a cliffhanger. But the same thing that Simeon experiences is not simply, and what I want us to experience today, it's not simply the tension that built up to the birth of Jesus, but secondly, he experiences what I want us to experience maybe today afresh is the resolve of this tension, the resolve of the human drama in the birth of Jesus. He says, verse 30, for my eyes have seen. Salvation. My eyes have seen the promise that which God had always said would transpire, the hope for the human heart. I have seen salvation, wholeness for all of us. It's almost as if the whole creation was holding its breath, the tension had built up, the promise stood, the need was so great, and then it happened in the birth of this small little body. On the backside of the ancient Near East, and in this very unimportant part of the world, that tension that had built up in all of creation was about to resolve. That's why Matthew says in Matthew 1:23, "See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel," which is translated what God with us. God is with us, and what a difference that one little word makes. Not God next to us, not God beside us, not God near us even. That's profound. No, but God with us. God with us. It's almost like the central theme of of the whole narrative up to this point. The Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures had built up to this one idea that God would profoundly and finally be with us. 114 times in the Old Testament, God promises, He says, I will be with you. And it's like he, he gives them all these pictures just for them to start understanding this in ancient culture. And he says, maybe build this, this place called the temple, which is almost like a house for me. And I will be with you to hear your prayers and to receive your worship, to guide you. I will give you my scriptures to, to, to give you navigation during this time. But it's almost as if God at the end of that whole season with the Israelites says, this is still not enough. My heart desires a proximity, a closeness with mankind, with my image bearers. And it's as if in Jesus, he says, now I will fully step into the human drama. I will fully step into the brokenness and the rebellion, the sin, the the hurt, the disappointment, the questions about identity and where we're going and why we're here. I will step into all of that. God doesn't come with sword in hand. As we often say to judge, He comes with nails in hands to receive our brokenness, to absorb our pain, to take our guilt and shame and pain upon Himself. God steps into the human drama. It's like He causes all of His character and His presence and His majesty and His power to be condensed into a human frame. That's Christmas. That's the depth of Christmas. That God would not ignore human disappointment and brokenness but he would step into it and the one form that you and i understand the best our form and the tension is just resolved i don't know if you've had tension tension resolves sometimes if you just keep on breathing in and in and in you tense up like this what does it ask for eventually you just need to uh, just resolve If you've been, we've we've got some couples on holiday at the moment that have been in long, long distance relationships. (laughs) And I think often that creates this relational tension. We can never properly hear each other, understand each other, and it's like this tension builds up. And finally, we just married a couple like that last weekend. Finally, they come together and the tension uh, just resolves. Even in music, we have this some chords leave us with like it's meant to go somewhere It just can't stay there my soul doesn't sit right it needs to go and resolve manalisi can you maybe help us with some of that teach us about uh, chords that resolve brings us that good vibe
1: chords of resolution are chords that feel like home where you feel like okay i've landed so the following chord feels like home then we're sitting in the tension and then the tension. Another tension.
3: And resolution. Doesn't it feel good? <laughs> You're like, go, man. Don't leave us there. Yeah. Tension needs to resolve. And friends, this is the thousands of year old story of the human heart. The tension builds up of answers that we do not receive peace that we do not find, identity that is not solidified in something. And when Jesus arrives, as small as He is, God steps into the story and a resolve begins to happen. Friends, this is the great call. This is the ancient story. This is the cosmic vision, the global project that God is calling you into. So i leave you as Guinness. He, he says it like this. He says, your life is not an accident. God wanted you to be. So how then are you searching for purpose in your life, your own ultimate why for everything that you do? For a purpose big enough to absorb every ounce of your attention, deep enough to plumb every mystery of your passion, and lasting enough to inspire you until your last breath on earth? Nothing. Absolutely nothing is more powerful, intimate, and important than to listen to the call of God, our Creator, and to realign ourselves to the very purpose of life by following His call wherever it leads. This is Christmas. during Christmas not just the tension building up leading to the birth of Jesus and the resolve of the human drama in the birth of Jesus but we need to experience maybe if we want to get the depth of what Christmas is all about beyond the songs and the food and the atmosphere and the good vibes we need to experience once again thing the good news for all people from the birth of Jesus the good news it says in verse 32 a light of revelation. Whether for Jewish people or non-Jewish people, for you and me, this is what He is. It's not just a symbol, not just a metaphor, not just a long-dead religion or philosophical idea. He's light. What is light? Light is where something that could not be seen beforehand is now fully seen, experienced, taken in. Where there was darkness, now there is revelation there is light that's why Isaiah prophesies about this one who will come and he says in Isaiah 42:6, I will appoint you a light to the nations all live in darkness we are scrounging around in darkness looking for purpose and identity and hope and wholeness and healing and he says I will send one who would be like a light to the nations in order to open blind eyes to bring out prisoners from the dungeons That's why Jesus unapologetically says in the book of John, I am the light of the world. I am that light. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's powerful. Jesus says, more than just mince pies and presents, what we remember, what we think about is the fact that as God steps into the tension of of our situation, of the human drama, There is darkness that overwhelms us. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how many beds or businesses or or bottles you've jumped in and out of. It doesn't matter how much accomplishment in your life has been left at the door or stepped through. Success, status, sex, money, career, friends, family. All these things are such good things. But even with all of them or none of them, it feels like mankind is always stuck in this place of utter darkness. Jesus says, I am the light. Who comes to reveal? What does that mean? It means that He is the source of life. He is the source of truth. He is the source of joy. That's what light is. Think about it. Plants actually angle themselves to where the light is. Wait, that's life. We've got these creeper plants at our house. They don't go downwards. They go up where the light is. That's where life is. But it's also not just the source of life, but of truth. One of our good friends she recently broke her toe because she was running after one of their kids in the evening uh, and the lights were off and moms they know well how your feet and your shins just find all the furniture in a dark room light is the source of truth it's also the source of joy how many scientists would tell us if you don't get into the sun Like all the people in Europe, your life is going to be sad. (laughs) They say, if you can, 20 minutes, first thing in the morning, get your face into the sun. Why? Because light, it is. Yes, life, it is truth. It's literally the source of joy. And Jesus says, I am that light on a profound level that we regularly need to just come back to to know that what we're all looking for is life, is truth, is joy. And there are so many good things in this world that can provide some of that. There's only one thing that can provide the ultimate version of that. And I think that is being reconciled with our God. Reconciled to our purpose, our Creator, our identity, our truth, our life, and our joy. That's why Hebrews 1 says of Jesus, The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact expression of His nature. And so I want to encourage you in the mornings when our kids, our three are in the front, and when we need to wake them up for school, luckily now the nightmare is over, it's holiday times, but uh, 2023 is not a far way off. And when school starts in the mornings, we need to open up the blinds. And we need to switch on the lights and all the vampires who live in the dark, then screech in the lights. But that's the only way you wake up, right? And I think Christmas is not this harsh, wake up. It is the sun entering in once again, saying each of us, each of us live with that tension. I don't know your story, but I know that your life builds up tension of trauma, of brokenness, of hurt, of questions, each of us come to that place of it needs to resolve. It feels like my life is hanging on that chord that Manalisi was playing. The darkness is full. And each of us need to experience for ourselves what this light feels like, what it sounds like, what it tastes like, when it's not just religion, but it's salvation, when it's life, when it's joy, when it's truth on a deep level. Can I close by telling you that I had a moment like that I've said often, man, my life was just a bunch of fake religiosity and pornography and messing around with goals and trying to be a good person and trying to hang on to just status and, and what I thought would bring me joy in, in the form of money and just a whole bunch of things. And I was so, it might have looked to some people as I was acting my best that I had some of it together. But man, if I'm honest, I was in deep darkness. The tension had built up in a profound way. And then friends of mine at the end of my high school career invited me to this this camp. And I want to tell you, there was nothing profound about the music or the people or the preaching or the anything, but something I encountered there for the first time in my life was truth. For the first time in my life, almost the tension that had been so profound, it made something so real. And Jesus and God and none of this stuff from the past it suddenly became life became light and this final evening we had the opportunity all of us if you wanted to wasn't forced upon you but we would sit around this fire and in the middle of this field so it's it's dark outside of this one kind of light source it's it's really dark and each of us receive a candle like you have on your table today and if you say, man, I think God has done something profound in my life during the last two days, you had been invited to say, maybe come and light the candle and just tell us in one or two sentences what you experience God doing. And that to me was that moment where as each of these candles got lit, the darkness around us just became lighter and lighter and lighter. And and I could literally feel inwardly the questions and the pain and the trauma and the religiosity and the pressure and the sin and the brokenness. The tension of, I need a healer. I need a restorer. I need someone to deal with Satan and sin and death and brokenness and my questions and my doubts. I need someone. I felt that light. As the light around me was raising, I felt the light inside me just bringing that resolve. Can I ask you today that, man, Christmas is difficult to hate. <laughs> it's even easy to like. Good food, good people, wholesome atmosphere. But if you want to experience the depth of what this moment 2,000 years ago meant, I want to ask you, just ask God, is we going to just finish off here today with a moment of just, of just singing this truth over our hearts? So we are going to light some of these candles? Can you ask God just to come and bring that experience back to your heart? Can you ask God just to come and highlight that tension again and that you would respond to him? And if you're a Christian, just that that depth of that would just capture you again. And maybe today you've been around a lot of religious people, religious ceremony situations. You know a lot of the religious lingo, but you've never experienced that. Would you open yourself up to that today? God says, "I have seen the sun rise." And he brings healing wherever he goes. That's Christmas.
1: I'd like to invite you guys to this moment of responding to what Joe has been speaking about. That when the prophet Simeon spoke of Jesus as the light of revelation. And it's something that just kind of symbolizes that. As you'll see in front, there's a bunch of candles that throughout the service, with our own revelation of the meaning of the birth of Christ, have been lit up in our own response. And then you'll see that in, on your tables, and hopefully there's enough candles. Um, but there's a candle, and I want to invite you guys to each grab a candle. And this moment is just a moment of saying, as I remember... What Jesus' birth means to me, I desire to share that light of revelation with others. So I'm going to ask that we nominate at least one person from each table or grouping to come and light their candle on one of these candles here in front in this next moment. Thereafter, you would return to your table and in the spirit of sharing... This light of revelation that we receive, that each one of us would receive in relay style, the light. So one would light a candle for the other and the other, the other. So can I invite you guys, at least one of those people, to join me in this moment from the groupings to the table and come and light a candle. And then we shall worship together in response to that. Amen. Want to invite us to stand together as well? It's a bit tricky when you have fire in your fingers. <laughs> I want to invite you to to join me in this moment of response as we sing to Jesus
2: all of creation singing the song of oldest age echo
3: together with light revealing, restoring, renewing and I pray God that the joy, the truth and the life that can only be found in the light of who you are the tension that's built up God to your birth and the resolve of every human drama and every heart here today would just be found so healed and restored the life and the death and the resurrection of jesus and i pray today god that not a single heart would leave you, not in a deep and profound way knowing who you are and not what we can do for you but what you have done for us in jesus we pray that in your name and everyone say it Amen. I don't know if you can give a hand with one candle, (laughs) but let's give a hand to Pravani as she finishes off our service for us.
0: Hi, guys. Please keep your candles burning. We'd love to just for a short moment longer remain in a state of worship. Um, I would like to invite Shay, uh, who has something to share, something the Lord has placed on her heart. Um, I'll just be very brief, but um, in our worship, I just sense that the last season for some people have almost been like, you know, when you put GPS coordinates in, but you're not sure what road it will take you on, um, and that, yeah, some people have just been on roads that you're like, oh my goodness, Lord, like these are mountain passes and valleys and gravel roads, and I don't have the right vehicle for for <laughs> the road that you've taken um, me on, Um, But I just felt such consolation with the fact that you never lost signal. (laughs) Um, God has the final destination in mind, and we can really trust Him. Um, But also be okay that the roads are sometimes going to be rough. Um, So I just want to encourage you with that. Whatever you're going through, whatever road you're on, um, whether it be a nicely tarred road or a gravel road or a nice bus or whatever, um, we can really trust that God, God has an end in mind, um, and we aren't alone in that road that we're on. Thank you, God, that as we uh, take a moment to look at our candle and contemplate that you are guiding us through all of those roads... I thank you so much, Father, that you will
4: continue to light our path. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord.